What makes a leader great? Here's Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth. The request of Moses was that the Lord would set a leader over the people so they would not be as what? Sheep without a shepherd. Whoa, here Moses excels. Here is the greatness of Moses. He was thinking of the people, not himself. He knew he could never enter. He was concerned for the people. Lord, give them a leader. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Scripture reminds us that without a vision, the people perish, and without a leader, the sheep scatter. Today, in his character study on the life of Moses, Pastor Xavier reminds us of the importance of having a tender heart for the people of God. Let's join him for today's Simple Truths. In chapter 25 of Numbers, It shows us that God has godly and righteous men to stand in the gap. In verse 1 through 5, the men began to commit harlotries with the women of Moab and the worship of their gods, and God's anger arose. So the Lord told Moses to hang all the leaders and to kill every man joined to Baal. Pretty severe. Now, when you look at verse 6 through 9, we see the audacity of one man to present one of the Midianitish women before Moses and the congregation who were weeping before the tabernacle. And Phinehas was so incensed, the son of Eliezer, that he grabbed the javelin, went into the tent, and thrust both of them through as they were having sex. Now, the plague stayed after 24,000 had died. Verse 6 through 9 of 25. So God promised an everlasting priesthood to Phinehas for his zeal for righteousness. You see, God always protects his own by his own. God always has a righteous remnant to stand up and say, no, this is not right. This will not get it. We will not compromise. We will not do this. In verses 15 through 16, the prophet Balaam knew he could not curse Israel, so he counseled Balak to introduce their sexual practices of their gods to the young men, and God would destroy them himself. And you get this in in Numbers 31, verse 15 through 16. He knew he couldn't curse them, so what does he do before he leaves? We don't know this until later. He says, listen, destroying them is no problem. You take some of your foxy ladies, and you send them down there. And you have them start enticing these young guys on how you worship your gods through sexual rights. God will destroy them. Well, to Balaam. Balaam is a constant warning to us. Listen to Micah 6, 5. Oh, my people, remember now what Balak king of Moab counseled and what Balaam the son of Beor answered him from Acacia Grove to Gilgal that you may know the righteousness of the Lord. Remember Balaam's counsel. Whoa, get away from it. Notice when you get to Numbers 26, God removed the people who chose to live in the flesh. How? By the 38-year death march. In Numbers 26, we have the second census. It reveals the decrease of each tribe. You can begin to take, take the census in the beginning, take this one, compare them, subtract them. You know which tribe was more in the flesh than others. It's a matter of arithmetic. The only ones who survived to enter the land was Caleb and Joshua. Why? Because they brought back the good report. Verse 65 of 26 tells us that. The only ones. Notice, Moses, Aaron did not make it. Only Joshua and Caleb. Notice in 
verse 12 through 23 of Numbers 27. God always has a leader for his people. When you get there, you realize that the Lord told Moses to go up to the mountain to see the land for he would be gathered to his brother or as his brother Aaron and die, verse 12 through 13. But in verse 14, the reason was due to the fact of the, what? The misrepresentation of God at the waters of Meribah. He had struck the rock rather than speaking to it. And so look at verse 15 and 17. The request of Moses was that the Lord would set a leader over the people so they would not be as what? Sheep without a shepherd. Whoa, here Moses excels. Here is the greatness of Moses. He was thinking of the people, not himself. He knew he could never enter. He was concerned for the people. He said, you know what? Forget you guys. I hope you guys rot in the wilderness. I ain't even going to ask for a leader. I'm out of here. He said, no, Lord, give them a leader. Wow. He was not bitter over their fault in causing them not to enter the land, though he does bring it up in Deuteronomy. <laughs> He said, by the way, I can't enter in because of you guys. <laughs> Moses is human. Praise God. There's hope for X. Notice verse 18 through 23. The Lord chose Joshua, in whom the Spirit was on him as Moses. Moses laid his hands on him before Eliezer and all the congregation to delegate his authority to Joshua as he commissioned him. The aged father proclaimed the protection of God over his people. Always. Now, thirdly, we see the provisions for settling the land by the people. Numbers 28 through 31, you have the offerings, the vows, and the judgments on Midian. In verse 1 through 15 of 28, you have the daily sacrifice, the Sabbaths, the monthly offerings uh, to be given at their appointed times as a reminder of all that because it was due to God. Lest greed would absorb their lives. See, that's something you and I have to always remember. Okay, that all I have is because of God and that I have to be generous. I have to be benevolent. I cannot let greed get me. In verse 16 on down to verse 40 of chapter 29, you have the yearly offerings, the various feasts that were also to be offered up uh, in their sacrifices at the appointed times, for they all spoke of future fulfillments. We've gone through some of these, the feast of Passover, Christ the Lamb of God to redeem the world. The Feast of Weeks is Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was given to the church. The law was given, and then in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit was given. The Feast of Trumpets could very well refer to the rapture of the church. 1 Thessalonians 4, the trump of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first. The Day of Atonement represents the second coming of Christ, the forgiveness of sins and redemption of Israel. And the Feast of Tabernacles represents the kingdom age. And so all these feasts were important right at the time. Why is he saying this? Because this is the second generation that did not hear it the first time. Important. When you get to Numbers 31, uh, the Midianites had caused them to sin against the Lord. So verse 1 through 11, the command and order is carried out there. Now in verse 12 through 16 of chapter 31, the rebuke for keeping the women. They've wiped them out, but they've kept the women alive as captives. And he rebukes them because it was through these women that the council of Balaam that they made the children to be seduced, right? Through their sexual rights. So Moses, I mean, he gets hot. He just says, what do you mean saving these women? The only ones who were allowed to live were those who were virgins, those who had not been sexually defiled 
Verse 21 through 54, he speaks of the ceremonial cleansing. It was declared in the divisions of the plunder of the war to be divided up between those who went to war and those who remained back. So there'd be no greed. Okay? Those who stay back with the stuff are equal part with those who go to battle. Important. Notice secondly, when you get to Numbers 32, the conditions for the Transjordan, in other words, the land to be occupied, the tribes of Reuben and Gad and half of Manasseh requested they stay on the, on the um, east side because they were cattlemen. Moses gets upset in verses 1 through 15. He says, listen, don't you guys remember what happened 38 years ago? You want to go through this again? They say, no, 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 you misunderstand us. Verse 16 through 42. We will go in and help you conquer the land, but we're going to build houses over here because we're cattlemen. And they made a condition. Okay, you cross over, you fight, you conquer the land, then you guys can come back. But if you don't, God will get you. But you know what's interesting? These two and a half tribes were the first ones who went into captivity. You know why? Because they never lived within the boundaries of God. Are you around the fringes? Are you a step outside of the boundaries of God? Do you still mess around out there, but you still come to church and think that that saves you? No. If you don't live within the boundaries of God, you will go into captivity. It's up to you. Notice thirdly, the condition for the conquest of the land and the boundaries are given. Numbers 34, verse 1 through 12, the boundaries of Canaan are given from the Golan Heights above Galilee, southward along the Jordan down to the middle of the Dead Sea, right through it to the Red Sea. Then from Jordan to the Great Sea, the Mediterranean. That's the boundaries. Verses 13 through 15, the land was for the nine and a half tribes. The other two and a half were on the other side. And then verse 16 through 29, the leaders are given to divide the land in their names. Decent and in order. God takes care of it. Now notice, fourthly, when we get to Numbers 35 and 36, the city of the Levites and the female heirs are discussed. This is important. 35, 1 through 8, the 42 cities of the Levites are given to them due to the fact of what? The Levites could not inherit the land. They had no inheritance. They belonged to the Lord. And then in verse 9 to 34, the refuge cities for the manslayer are given so they can flee and be protected if they truly are innocent. But notice verse 31 and 32, no guilty person was to be protected or taken a ransom for. If they were guilty, they would be stoned. No blood could be atoned for except for the execution of the man who shed the blood or else they would pollute and defile the land. Verse 33, mark that well, give that to people capital punishment who, who say it's not for today. When people do not get killed for killing somebody, it defiles the land. Look to our nation, people. You got the eight, nine, ten-year-olds killing people. Why? Because the land is defiled. Life is cheap. You start putting some of these people away permanently, things will turn around. Interesting, we, we, we want to save the whales. We want to save the criminals. But we don't mind killing babies. Something's definitely wrong. Chapter 36 tells about the female heirs. If, the, if a man had no sons, then the inheritance would go to the daughters. But so that the land would not be transferred from tribe to tribe, they had to marry within the tribe. So here God again sets the boundaries. God sets the order. You know, every parent attempts to give boundaries to their children for their own protection that they might enjoy and experience life to the fullest when they are grown up. This is exactly what the aged father Moses was doing. 
He was preparing them to have the best. But sadly, when young people don't listen, they mar their life and they have a difficult time in life down the road. They make it heavier for themselves. But let me assure you that no matter what you've done, the grace of God is sufficient. You just better make sure you walk in the grace of God. <laughs> you don't walk in the grace of God, well to you. Because you can't handle what you've done and neither can anybody else. So you've got to hang on to the grace of God. And so does the pastor teacher in the church attempt to set boundaries, admonishments, warnings, but people still refuse. They think they're the exception. The aged father declared the provisions for settling the people in the land. Notice fourth and last, we have the proclamation of the law a second time to the people. In chapter 1 all the way to chapter 3, verse 29, Moses proclaims God's guidance from Horeb to Moab to the second generation. In verse 1 through 8, the ones he was speaking to were the children of the people who died in the wilderness under age of 20. Everybody over 20 died. Those that were 19 were very fortunate. <laughs> they got to enter in. Moses let them know that the journey could have been accomplished in 11 days. Verse 2. Whoa, what a charge. 11 days? 40 years? A lot of people live their Christian life like that. Moses begins by explaining the law of the Lord spoken to them at Horeb, verses 5 through 6. Verses 9 through 18, Moses rehearses the command of God to appoint men to share the burden of the people so they know how to legislate, how to rule, so that not one man rules alone. There's others to help carry the burden. God appoints the leader. Godly men surround him. Verses 19 through 33, Moses reminds them of the evil report to discourage the land lest they come to the same place. He's teaching them from their history. Verses 34 all the way to the end of chapter 3, verse 29, Moses told them of God's anger and death sentence of the wilderness in their wandering and the appointment of Joshua as the leader to conquer the land. So they know, they don't complain, they don't murmur, they don't get discouraged. This is God's doing. Then notice, secondly, when you get to Deuteronomy chapter 4, Moses admonishes the new generation to obey the law. Simple, obey the law. Simple, simple blessing. Chapter 4, verse 1 through 43, Moses gave the command to, for obedience. I want to point out some important things. Verse 1 through 8, do not add or take away from God's commandment and their careful observance to it in view of what? They're privileged to be so near to God. Whoa. Verse 9 through 14, warning against forgetting what they had seen and heard and failing to teach it to their children. Parents, listen up. Are you committing your faith, your history, your God, your scriptures to your children? Woe to you if you don't. God will get you. Study the life of Eli. God says, I'm going to get you, Eli, because you never restrain your children. Man. Thirdly, verses 15 through 40, warnings against idolatry, seeing they saw no image of God. God's spirit, don't make any image. Now notice thirdly, when you come to chapter 4, verse 44, and this will take us all the way to chapter 26, Moses declares the laws Israel were to live by. Here are the laws, and he starts beginning. Verse 44, down to chapter 11, 32, the basic commands. And I'm just going to run down to them. The introduction to the law is given in 44 through 49. The Ten Commandments are given in chapter 5, verse 1 through 22. The fear of the people 
At Sinai, in chapter 5, verse 29, their fear was not right kind of fear. Why? They didn't fear the Lord to obey him. They just feared to be before him. Many people have that fear. It's a wrong fear. Fear him to obey him. Fear without obedience is wrong fear. Verses 1 through 25 of chapter 6, the greatest commandment is love. Love for what? Love for God. And to teach his word to their children. And the caution is against disobedience. The word diligently in verse 7. Underline that, parents. Diligently teach it to your children. Chapter 7, verse 1 through 26. They were not to compromise with the people of the land as the people of God, which was not due to their greatness, but God's love. It's not because you're great in numbers. It's not because you're so good. It's because God just loves you. Keep that perspective, okay? <laughs> chapter 8, verse 1, all the way to chapter 10, verse 11. The 40-year march was to humble them and to test them that they might know what was in their heart, and if they forgot God, they would perish like the people of the land, reminding them of the rebellious times and their renewal of the law. Warnings. In verse 12 of chapter 10, down to chapter 11, verse 32, the essence of the law was to fear God, walk in all his ways, love him and serve him with all their heart in order, here it is, to reap the blessings. You obey God, you reap blessings. Now, when we get to chapter 12, verse 1, down to chapter 16, verse 17, the statutes of worship and a life for holiness is given. The prescribed places of worship were to be obeyed. Why? So they would not be carried away into idolatry. God has given us the church to worship. You don't just go on your own and make your own little church. <laughs> Many, there's Christians like that. Oh, well, we worship at home. Forsake not the gathering of the saints as a manner of some is. You want to have a Bible study? Fine. That's not church. Chapter 12, verse 29. The chapter 13, verse 18. The perversion of worshiping God by other gods and idolatry was to be punished by death. Whoa. Chapter 14, 1 through 15, 23, the warning against improper mourning practice, cutting themselves, making uh, tattoos on them, unclean meats, withholding tithes from the Levites, the sabbatic year, generosity to the poor, and the law of the firstborn animal is given. All of these things, they're so meticulous. Why? Because God wants obedience. And notice when you get to Deuteronomy 16, Verse 18, all the way to chapter uh, 17, verse 13. You have the righteous judgment of the judges. Without partiality, with diligence, inquiries to see if the evidence is true for the accusation. Without exception, those deserving will be put to death, that others may be deterred from following their example. It's given right there, verse 12 through 13 of chapter 17. You kill them, it'll stop others from following their example, it says. Chapter 17, verse 14, down to 18, 13. The commands for a king... And the priest, look at it. He had to be a Jew, one of his own people. Verse 16, he was not to multiply horses or go back to Egypt. By the way, Solomon did. He had a big chariot business going. Uh, he was not to multiply wives, Deuteronomy 17, 17. Solomon did. 300 wives, 700 concubines. Whoa, I'll keep you busy for a while. As well as confused. He was to make himself a copy of the law and read it all the days of his life. What for? To obey it and not be lifted up above his brethren. Verse 18 through 20. He was to make a copy. He was to read it. Why? Because he was to rule the people. By what? By the word of God. Not his own precept. Not his power. Then in chapter 18, verse 1 through 8, the priests 
The priest's due is not to be withheld since they had no inheritance. You have the practice of child sacrifice, mediums forbidden in chapter 18, verse 9 through 14. And then he gives a beautiful promise of the Messiah to come, one like Moses, whose words God would require the hand of every man. And he tells the false prophets, you don't have to worry about them because what they say won't come to pass. They speak presumptuously in verses 15 and 22 of chapter 18. Again, he gives us a city of refuge, property, boundaries, the rules for one going to warfare, unsolved murders, female captives, what you do with them, what you can do, what you shouldn't do, inheritance of the firstborn and a rebellious son in chapter 19 down to chapter 21, verse 23. Intricate things, very detailed things. God is interested in the most detailed things of your life and mine. When you get to 22.1, down to 26.19, you have the ethical and moral laws like honesty, sexual purity, runaway slaves, divorce, oppressing the poor, number of stripes, the duty of surviving brothers to raise up seed and the firstborn and tithe. Detail. And then you have, fourthly, the warning and predictions in 27 through 31. And so the law was to be prescribed, as you know, in chapter 27 and 28, I'm on evil, Mount Grism, blessings and cursings. The covenant is renewed. God's faithfulness is declared of the 40 years. God did not give them a heart to perceive because of the rebelliousness, 29.4. And God said before them a choice of life and death in 30.15. The choice is theirs, life or death. And so then Moses declares their apostasy in chapter 30, verse 18 through 19. It brings us to the final charge in chapter 31, down to 34. Moses declares in 31, 1 through 8, his age, 140 years old. And he declares his inability to cross over. 40 years, he led through greatness in Egypt. 40 years, he led sheep in the wilderness. And 40 years, he led people. Interesting. Moses commanded the priest to read the law every Feast of Tabernacles every seven years, 31, 9 through 13. Moses predicted Israel's apostasy, 31, 14 through 20. Moses wrote the song to remind them of their waywardness and God's mercy and the salvation of the Gentile, 31, 20 through 32, 47. And then Moses is told by God of his death, his final blessing in 32, 48, down to 34, 12. His death was due to disobedience. His eyes were not weak, nor his natural strength reduced at 140 years age. Deuteronomy 34, 7. Can you imagine that? His relationship with God was unique and superior to all others. 34, 10. It declares it very, very clearly. Listen to this. But since then, there was not arisen in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Every parent will give to their children, if possible, at their deathbed, the things which they believe are the most important for life having lived life out, This is exactly what Moses, the aged father, was doing. He could not go before them, so he's given them the benefit of the 140 years of his experience. The aged father proclaimed the law a second time to the people. Here you have Moses, the aged father, which is characterized by these four things. The aged father perceived the ongoing rebellion of the people. The aged father proclaimed the protection of God over his people. The aged father declared the provisions for settling the land by the people. And the aged father proclaimed the law a second time to the people. Moses, the aged father, was a faithful witness to the people. 
Pastor Xavier Reese with a picture of a true leader of men. That's one who is first a true servant of God. And don't forget, you can pick up a copy of today's study, Moses Part 3. And as always, it's available on CD for just $4. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. Once again, the title to ask for is Moses Part 3, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure and include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This information is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. How do you know when God calls you into service? That's our topic next time, right here on Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com